You're listening to the Bill McIntosh Show. Let's look at, see, let's, let's uh, step back a little bit from Jaden X to the other unidentified people uh, of interest that were in the area right near the speaker's lobby. What, those are the ones you refer to as like unidentified people, right? Yeah, we or, call them or the, suspicious actors or material witnesses, but if they were suspicious actors, that means that they were likely a participant in some form. Material witness means they were there and they saw what happened. And in either case, I know that attorneys for Aaron Babbitt are going to be very interested to identify all of these people because uh, as of right now, there are close to two dozen of them who have not been arrested, have not been charged, and indeed, all we know about them is a hashtag assigned to them by Sedition Hunter's website. A few of them are on the FBI's wanted list, but <clears throat> there have been no action on, you know, got, most of them we've got fairly decent uh, facial shots of them. So uh, it seems improbable, and it certainly is suspicious that that many people uh, who we're clearly in the middle of a riot, whether they participated or not. Uh, they were there, and it's on video. And the DOJ has used less than that to charge people. So, um, you know, that is part of a, a larger issue of unidentified suspicious actors all across the Capitol grounds, probably more than 120 people. Uh, most of whom have not been identified, much less uh, arrested or charged. That that leaves wow. us with the question of why, you know, why when when some of these people were were prime instigators, like on the east side, uh, on bullhorns, imploring people, go up the steps, come on, we're going into the Capitol, uh, and you know, breach the police lines, knock over the barricades, things like that, uh, and yet they remain untouched. It, it's uh, yeah. it certainly smacks of unequal treatment considering uh, people who were just they just followed through the barricades and didn't kick them or didn't you know didn't chase police or do anything like that uh, have been charged at the very least with multiple misdemeanors. Right, right. So um, the, the, you know the, one of the big questions in January six is how do they get in? Is it is it um, in your opinion based on what and I assume you've seen extensive video of the of from different angles of um, regarding January sixth and what happened were is it true in your opinion that or based on more than opinion conviction that the the police did in fact facilitate entry into the into areas of the capital that should have been uh, off limits. So we have video uh, of, of one prime example of where an entrance was unlocked and people started coming in and the police just stood to the side of the hallway and, you know, people kind of stopped and looked at them, but there was no move to, to say anything uh, or it doesn't appear to be. This was uh, CCTV security footage, which does not have audio. None of the security cameras uh, in the Capitol have audio. 
but people just by the dozens streaming past and going into the rotunda. Uh, we have a much larger scale entry that occurred at the Columbus doors, which are the ceremonial doors, 17 foot high bronze uh, doors with sculptures on them that weigh about 20,000 20, pounds. Uh, wow. Those had been those had been closed, and they, in fact, they were closed when the crowd breached the steps and went up and was standing immediately outside them. Then, at one point, they rather quickly opened, and so then the crowd pushed into the inner doors, which were secured with magnetic locks, um, and were pounding on those. And those doors were opened by a protester from the inside. Uh, he was looking up, what he appeared to be looking up over his, his left shoulder to either a person or someone talking on a camera or something. Uh, and he kept looking back and pointing at the door, and the door opened as soon as he put his hand on the handle. And there's a security bypass in case of a fire, but it would have taken him 15 seconds uh, to, to get the release that he needed to open the door. And it opened immediately, which, of course, would tend to, to show that somebody disengaged that lock uh, remotely. Yeah, you know, so the question is, you know, was he communicating with, with the control room? And this is something defense attorneys have, uh, have asked for from the Justice Department in discovery, is to find out where is the control room, how are, how are all these doors monitored, how are locks disengaged, um, because one would think in a, in a building that is supposed to be as secure as that one, that that is all automated and it's probably fairly high tech. Uh, and here we had somebody who, who was facilitated in opening that, that door for the initial breach. Um, they did get, the police did get that door closed for a time and then it was opened again. Uh, and then the crowd streamed in and, and <clears throat> all bets were off that uh, those doors remained open. Um, so it's very strange. He, he, this fellow that initially breached that door came through the Capitol unmolested with, I believe, four or five others who have yet to be identified or arrested. Um, it just it leaves just a whole pile of questions. You, know, you, you dig a little, you might answer one question, and you uncover ten more, and that's kind of the situation that we found. Yeah, amazing. So. Um... <clears throat> I'm just wondering, you know, how many minutes had elapsed between the time that the the magnetic doors, which I guess were immediately preceding the, uh, you know, the uh, the chamber, where they, you know, how how long and how how much how many minutes had elapsed from the time of evacuation? I assume that. Both houses of Congress had been in there, and they they all evacuated. Was that like seconds before, minutes before, quarter hour before? Well, yeah, it depends on the staff. I think uh, there were still some staff in the house. In fact, some remained in the house and, and took cover uh, under seats and things like that. Uh, but most of the staff had been ushered out and went down into a sub basement where the, the subway is. Uh, the police were able to get them out because protesters had moved away from one of the entrances, and so they were able to get them out. So there was a handful that were still inside the House chamber, 
including Representative Troy Nails, a Republican from Texas, and, and he has shown in a photo that most people have never seen of Michael Byrd um, wielding his weapon and pointing it very carelessly uh, at three people who were right in his line of fire, including Representative Nails. Um, and Representative Nails took notice of that, and of course he's one of the ones that believes that uh, that the shooting of Ashley Babbitt was a murder. But uh, so he he remained in and actually helped defend the the house entrance with a piece of furniture, and there were other officers officers around him um, who had you know your your typical two hand grip on their firearm, whereas uh, Lieutenant Byrd was carrying something in one arm and and you know, holding this gun and it was it was aimed. I mean, low ready position would keep that amazing. keep that aim down. So. Um, so, you know, there was probably a 15-minute gap between the Columbus door being breached and when Ashley was, was shot. We don't believe she came through those doors. She came in another way. Um, we have video of when, when she came in and climbed over one of the velvet ropes and, and went through Statuary Hall, and then she made her way up to the, uh, to the speaker's lobby hallway. All right, before I get to Ray Epps, I'm really interested in talking about him. Um, you know, there was a, a, a mother and a son. He was that way. The, the, the mother was like a, you know, a late 50-ish type of woman, maybe maybe early 50s. The son was a, was a blonde-headed guy, you know, maybe in his mid-20s, maybe slightly older. I don't know. They, and he had ties in his hand. You know, I don't know. I saw a picture of him before, I think, with a shotgun, something that maybe he had put on Facebook. I don't know. What do we know about that person, those two people, the mother and the son? I think they were living in Florida, then, then you know, or maybe he was living in Florida. They, they were living in Tennessee. Is there anything about them? Because, you know, this is the idea. Oh, my gosh, he had ties. They were, gonna, they were going to make hostages out of members of Congress and, you know, um, hang them or something like that, or who knows, or right his case so, i'm not i'm not familiar with that case uh they they was, do consider um, the possession of zip ties to be an, an aggravating factor uh now there were i believe there were some oath keepers that that had them because you know those are used in security which which the oath keepers were doing that day uh but you know people that wore body plates uh, body armor and had the plate carriers uh, that could be used against you as an aggravating factor. So, but you did see a lot of strange things, you know, carrying around zip ties, to me, that's unusual. Carrying, uh, you know, a crowbar or a hammer, uh, an aluminum bat or, you know, a whisk broom or a mop. I mean, all this, these things that were, were used around the Capitol as weapons. Uh, I mean, who, you don't carry stuff like that to a rally. Now, there were enough Trump supporters yeah. who did carry things like flagpoles because they remembered what happened on President Trump's inauguration day in D.C., where there was an Antifa riot and there were 200 arrests made and, and fires were started, a car was firebombed, and lots of storefronts were bashed in. And, and people were attacked uh, and have been attacked on other occasions, uh, leaving Trump events, going to their cars. So... Right. That explains a lot of the uh, the walking sticks, uh, the flagpoles, 
Uh, some people wore motorcycle gloves with, with studs on the, the knuckles um, because a lot of people were expecting to be attacked by Antifa. But, uh, but you also saw people that just seemed uh, ready for World War III. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you, you know, you just look at them and wonder, what, what are they thinking? And by the way, isn't it true that that same day there was a, a BLM and or Antifa rally? On January 6th in D.C.? I believe there was a gathering. I don't know that it, I don't believe it was a, a sanctioned rally. There were, I believe there were six or seven um, approved permitted demonstrations or rallies uh, on Capitol grounds, uh, which t- to me is a, is a complicating factor in, in all of this, uh, this notion of, of parading and picketing and trespassing. Uh, because you know there was a large rally scheduled Ali Alexander the Stop the Steal rally uh, I believe that was in Area 8 across from the Supreme Court so people were permitted to be on the Capitol grounds for permitted events right. and some of them were much closer to the to the Capitol steps which creates a lot of confusion and some people have raised sure. that in their defense. Uh, and uh, I, that probably did help Coy Griffin, who was acquitted on one count and convicted on another. But, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a confusing factor. If you don't see signs that say restricted area, and in fact, if you were one of the people heading to one of these other events, you probably thought, I have every right to be here. Uh, we have a permit. So it's exactly when when more of these go to trial, these cases, you're going to hear a lot more than that. But the Justice Department is working very hard to to get plea deals. So there aren't uh, there aren't trials. And uh, I'm sure there's evidence that they don't want to to, to get out in a trial. So um, but we will see there's there are many, many defendants who are intent on, on going to trial. They're not going to take any bargains. Right. So, I mean, uh, you know, Ray Epps, of course, former Marine. I mean, people did, did, did not trust this guy. He was saying on January 5th at night, we're going to go inside the Capitol. And they said, no. And this is, and it struck a lot of people as, like, utterly disruptive. I mean, and then, and then you, we see him later on whispering in the ear to um, Ryan Samsel, apparently. And then isn't it true that Ryan Samsel then starts to, you know, start to uh, get into a uh, a contest, a, a basically a pushback with the barricade, trying to take it out of the, trying to get breach the barricade? Is that right? What what do we do? We know anything about this guy, Ryan Samsel? Uh, well, I, I have a story that'll be coming out probably not today, but tomorrow. That goes into that a little bit more. We've obtained some records, and Ryan Samsel uh, backs up what Ray Epps told the FBI and and what he has spoken through his attorney. That he pulled him back and said, "Hey, cool it. Don't don't do this. Don't push through there. You know, think about what you're doing." Or I don't know exactly what the words were, but Samsel then immediately turned around and bowled over, helped to bowl over the uh, the barricades and. In the process, the female officer was knocked backwards and struck her head and was knocked out. So, you know, he clearly didn't listen. Uh, if if the message was restraint, he clearly didn't listen. 
And the explanation that he gave to to detectives back in January of 2021 was that he was particularly angry at another officer who I, he says he had a running verbal battle with uh, a lot of expletives and he was talking uh, feces for lack of a, a more appropriate yeah. term. And yeah. so that that's was his motivation to push through there. And that's what he said. Um, but you know, Epps is present in many places. Uh, his his provocateur role uh, was not just on the fifth. He was at the ellipse. He was at the the Washington Monument with a bullhorn, uh, making sure people knew where the Capitol was. And that after the president was done speaking, we're all going to go to the Capitol. Uh, so that is, you know, that's recruiting people to at least go over to the Capitol. And, right. Not necessarily you know, to go inside. Well, but, he did say that the night before, but uh, exactly. But but isn't, but, isn't uh, listen, Joe? One quick question: what, Didn't he say that also on January sixth? Yes, I believe one of the times he did he did say go into the Capitol. But I, I'm, you know, he's on video more than I think people realize, uh, and you know, I he he paints an innocent picture of it. I, I'll, like I said, my story that's coming out, that'll be coming out today or tomorrow, delves into that. We've obtained some records that, you know, where he's giving his full side of the story. <clears throat> um, but he's in a lot of hot spots, and he acknowledged that when he was interviewed by the FBI. Uh, and even the agent said, hey, uh, you know, you're six foot three. Uh, we look around and we pick, we see these pictures, and there's Ray Epps again. And, you know, he acknowledged that uh, he sticks out. But he was also in a lot of places where there was trouble, you know. And he he said he w went to those places to lend aid. And he did provide some first aid to, to someone that they carried out across the street who was uh, not breathing. Um, so, and, and in fairness to Epps, he, there are plenty of examples on video of him uh, pushing uh, protesters back or those who were mouthing off at police um, where he clearly went up and even grabbed him and said, hey, back off. This isn't going to do anybody any good. You know, we, we've made our point here. You, know, you don't want to get hurt. They don't want to get hurt. Let them do their jobs. You know, those kind of messages, you know, which, which makes his case even more per perplexing. But, you know, it, it doesn't explain, you know, he was one of the people who was helping to carry this gigantic uh, fabric billboard in a metal frame uh, that was passed overhead, and it was used to ram into the police line. And, you know, we found video where his hands are clearly on it, um, and any really anybody that's touched that, as far as I know, has been has been charged and that's considered assault probably arrested weapon. yeah so and imprisoned yeah he, but not ray epps no and that's something he left out of his interview uh with with the fbi he did not mention the fabric sign so that, that's a that's a complicating factor when people get a look at at his own words so i i don't think the the fabric fabric banner is that issue is not going to go away and that's so in other words just to read excuse me he joseph so in other words he was pushing that over the um 
the, the demarcation line between what was authorized to be uh, uh, near and the other side that was not authorized. So he's passing it. He's clearly assisting them to pass over objects in a restricted area, right? Well, they were all in a restricted area uh, on both sides of the, the bicycle rack fences that the police were using. Anybody that stepped through the outer perimeter by the Peace Monument and, and came up that sidewalk was considered to be trespassing. They had, they did post signs initially, and those were taken down, again, by unidentified suspicious actors. So many, if, if not most of the people who came through from the speech never saw those signs. They didn't know, it was, then, so, therefore, that it was a restricted area, correct? Well, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, they if they declare it, you know, and, and so far that, that defense has not worked for many people, uh, you know, saying, well, ignorance is, is no excuse kind of a thing. But, um, no. you know, as I mentioned before, with that many permitted events going on the grounds that day and no signs, at least leading up to the Capitol, you know, that's, it seems natural that people would expect that. So, but no, in that case, uh, he, he had his hands on that giant sign along with about 30 other people, and it was being passed, you know, from person to person to person, and eventually it was, it was slammed across the police line, uh, and then the, the police grabbed it and pulled it over, and then they, they took custody of it. But some of the people who had their hands on that have been charged with assault with a deadly weapon. Um, but, you know, he has not had any charges uh, for anything he did, you know, including his presence. And he, he admitted to the FBI, uh, yeah, I'm guilty of trespassing. So just on that alone, are there a lot of people in the D.C. jail and in other federal lockups that um, were basically guilty of trespassing but didn't do anything violent, but they were, they're still locked well, I, up? Yeah, I think there's a fair number of them that are accused of doing violent things. But the pretrial detention uh, is not supposed to be used for anyone who isn't, uh, you know, an extreme risk of, of violent behavior out in the community or a flight risk. And I, you know, I don't know that most of those guys really fit that, that definition. And it's supposed to be a rarity because when you're charged, you are presumed innocent. They'll be in lockup for two years before their trial comes. This is third world. This, this for perspective. I don't live in the States anymore. I'm an American, but I live in Peru. This is third world practices. I mean, in other words, I'll give you an example. Um, let's suppose I intrude into your house. I'm a, I'm a thief and I break into your house and uh, you shoot me and kill me. Okay. And, you know, then there's an argument about, well, you know, you used excessive force, a disproportionate use of force in this case, and you killed somebody. While you're being, you know, uh, studied by the police and investigated, you'll go to jail maybe for six months. Okay? In fact, Forget we did have a case like that in New York recently uh, where a shop of owner. Of course. Uh, yep, and he was, now eventually he was freed and charges were dropped, but uh, when when you have when you're locked up, it, it, you're, these these guys say we're being punished. I know it ruins your yep. life. 
and merely an accusation, even those who aren't jailed have gone through that, that they've been shunned by the community, they've had their banks uh, cancel them, their mortgage lenders. They can't earn money? Uh, and, then, yeah. and then they have to maybe try to file a lawsuit. I mean, it's not the life isn't totally ruined, but it, the disruption is major, and it's completely unjustified. Try it.